Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dishing with Stephanie's Dish, the podcast where we talk to people in the food space. Some have written cookbooks, some are recipe developers, some are Instagram influencers. The way that everybody gets here is a little bit different, but Meredith Deeds is my guest today. And Meredith, you've done a little bit of all of the above, I would say. I have done a little bit of everything. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. And you fill in on my radio show, Weekly Dish, sometimes in the summer, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And I read your column in the Star Tribune in the taste section. And you are a cook and a recipe developer. And you've also written a bunch of cookbooks. Um, You sent me an email that I thought was really funny. You were like, the last cookbook I published was 12 years ago. How is that even possible that it was that long? I know it really, um, it really uh, seems like yesterday it does, but yeah, my career has taken a, a, a several bends since that last since that last cookbook so so was you know, your, a lot's happened since then so in that way it's not surprising yeah so was your last one 300 soups yes 350 soups okay. 350 it was a long okay. year a lot of soup a lot of spoons on the dinner table it's still though like an amazon bestseller yeah it does well it does well um that uh that cookbook was the last one i wrote but the first one I wrote, which is, this seems totally strange, is by far done the best, which was um, a book called The Mixer Bible. And it was um, for people that own stand mixers, but obviously uh, KitchenAid owns that market. So particularly for people that own KitchenAid stand mixers. And they those folks just keep buying that up. We're on, uh, I think... Um, the the number number four of our revisions on that book so additions so yeah no it's strange but great I'm always happy to do that (laughs) so every month do you get just like a random check um four four times a year I think yeah Yeah, every quarter that's so cool I love that I hope (laughs) I get a check every quarter it's called pass my husband who's a business professor at St. Thomas calls it uh says it's passive income passive income is the best kind yes because you don't have to do more work to get it exactly exactly we like that yes all right so you are writing for the star tribune yes and you talked about how your food life is taking another turn from cookbook writing and tell me which turn you've taken the most recently <laughs> The most recent turn, well, I mean, it isn't super recently, but um, but I've definitely, I love my column, and that is uh, that is my um, that's where my my heart and soul is because I, they let me do whatever I want, and and um, I really do enjoy writing for the Star Tribune, and, and the readers are great. But in addition to that, um, I also do a lot of work with corporate clients, and and that's been my that's been my biggest thing for the last several years. Um, so I work with clients uh, like General Mills or Cub Foods or Snake River Farms, who is the only Wagyu beef producer in the country um, to create recipes for their consumers. And it's been a very fun, I actually really enjoyed that. It's nice to have this combination of both the things like the Star Tribune, which is a creative outlet and this other work, which is more targeted towards consumers, 
um, but also very collaborative. So working with the client and talking about what their needs are and who they're trying to reach and how we can do that through food, how we can most attract them through recipes that they really do want to cook. So um, that process is, is very enjoyable for me as well. And that is more, it sounds like work that you've taken on in the last like five years. Yeah, I think much, much more in the last five years. I went through a five-year period where I was the CEO of the International Association of Culinary Professionals. <laughs> and that took a lot of my time for a while. Yeah. Um, and then after that, that was, I left that five or six years ago and, uh, and have just been kind of working in this, in this corporate world more more than much more than I did previously. I I loved cookbook writing. I loved cookbook writing, but that world has really changed as as you, um, you know, you know, with your brand new cookbook, it's, it's such a different world now than it was when I first got into it back in like 2004, because you really have to be someone who is working hard on the social media side. I mean, there's, there's not one path to getting your cookbook published. There's a million paths to getting your cookbook published, but there are, but the world is different now with social media than it was in 2004, where um, if you wrote a hardworking you know, cookbook proposal and sent it to an agent or a publisher. And that was what, that, that was all that it was. And you might be, you know, I, at that time I wrote for magazines and, um, and I was a cooking teacher, but that was enough at that time to get published. It's a really good proposal. Now, now there's so much more to it. You have to bring to the table and, um, and I, you know, that side of it, I, I love social media, but I'm just, you know, that isn't the thing where I put a lot of my, um, energy and you really have to do that. You know, you really, that yeah. has to be a part of your business plan <laughs> in order to, you know, really, um, make that work. We went out to lunch, uh, pre pandemic. It was me and you and Rob from two cooking dads. Right. And at the time, I think we were all sort of feeling, I think it's fair to say a little frustrated in, you know, how do you continue to build this food life? You have this content, you're willing to go and present it or be a brand ambassador or write recipes for people. But at the time, there was just no revenue model for that. All of the money was being sucked into like Instagram influencers and none of the TV stations were really paying for content. Cookbook writing has changed so much. You know, I talked to someone that published a book five years ago and her, I think I said this on a previous podcast, her advance was 20 grand. You know, it is nowhere near that anymore. Yeah, no, those, the, all that has changed a good deal. And you know, it's, they're relying on you, obviously, uh, just for those that don't know, when you write a cookbook, you get an advance, you get money ahead of time from the publisher and, and you have to, and then you, you earn a percentage of every book sold, but until you don't get royalties, there are no more checks coming until you've earned out of that advance. So you have to, with the per, the little percentage you get of every cookbook, you have to earn that $20,000 back essentially before the publisher starts paying you anything else 
Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's now you get royalties, I hope. <laughs> yeah. So the money has changed in that a lot of the brands, like people that you're working for, and I say the word a lot because there's obviously the high tier folks like the general mills of the world that have a lot of need to produce content, you know, yeah. videos and social themselves and recipes for websites. And that is kind of where it seems like the money has gone. But in order to do that, you have to be someone that's a business person, that's professional, that's connected in those worlds. It's hard to just, you know, call General it Mills is. and be like, hey, I can produce recipes for you. No, you're right. That is a, that is a, um, you're, you're right in that it isn't easy to get that work and certainly not right off the bat. It takes, uh, you know, I was in this business for 20 years before I started to attract that kind of work and it, and it does take a long time. I think the path now is much more through social media. Like we've just described yeah. that is, that's just the, the way it seems most people are coming to things. Um, you know, what's companies, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, it's interesting too, is a lot of the really influential social media folks in food aren't that engaging in person. They tend to be <laughs> introverted or they're better with the camera work. And when you actually like get them and you're talking to them in a conversation, many of them are shy. They're not right. super forthcoming or gregarious or engaging. And certainly you put those people in a television studio or on the radio and they're really hard to talk to. They're almost like comedians. <laughs> they just sit there and stare at you while you ask questions. Yeah. And it's kind of like the answers are sort of one word and there isn't a lot of color commentary. And that's why, you know, when we have you fill in on our radio show, like we, we think of people to fill in and then sometimes we test them or, you know, sometimes we call them and have a conversation with them on the phone and you can just tell like two hours of talking is a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Where for me, it goes by so fast for some yes, strange reason. And it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. But that, um, kind of harkening back to that, um, point about social media and, um, recipe development. I think what's happened with a lot of companies is that for a while, there are people like me and, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to sound um, oh, like I'm better or, or worse than anybody else. And we're all in the same boat here together, but I've been working for a long time, was a cook, you know, writing, cooking teacher, went to culinary school, you know, did all those things. And then, but I charged money to companies Yep. and because I wasn't, I don't have a social media. I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of, um, brands coming to me because yes. they want to be on my social media channels. That's not how that works for me. So, um, but then there was a period of time about seven, eight years ago where a lot of people came onto the scene, a lot of bloggers with a lot of content. And um, they were very willing to work with companies for uh, very little money or no money in order to have that relationship, maybe get product from that company, um, you know, just kind of build up their presence. Yep. And what happened was a lot of those people at that time kind of rushed to the food blogging world 
and um, not necessarily ever having been in the food world before. Yep. So there was a lot of content that wasn't vetted in any way. And, um, and then these companies were like, wow, well, we cannot pay people because <laughs> this is free and this is great. Um, and sometimes it was, but sometimes it wasn't because there was a lot of people out there that just didn't have the skill set to re develop recipes um, in that way. And so for, this, for a particular audience. So then about five years ago, I felt like the companies really started to go, ah, you know what? It's not really saving us money because we have to go back and solve a bunch of yeah. problems. And that's where I found um, that there was a market for me again. So then for a while, I was just like in the wilderness. The, the, the brands weren't there for, didn't want to pay anybody because why yep. should they? And, and then it became clear that they needed people that had been in the industry, had, had more vetting and, um, and that it, that in the end saved them money because they didn't want recipes out there that didn't reflect well on their product. Yes. Someone goes out and makes a recipe and it fails because the recipe's not written well, but it has your product in it and they got it from you. Who are they going to blame? So, um, so that's kind of how this has come along. But the work is hard to get. You've got to work really hard in any avenue you can in the food business. You really do. And I don't, I, I've said no to very little in my <laughs> career. Sometimes that has not been a great thing. But for the most part, you know, it's been yeah. two steps forward, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Um, I've, I've definitely over time um, progressed <laughs> and now can take a lot of these jobs. And I think, I think a lot of people can do that. It's just a, a really a matter of working hard and, and definitely seeing it as a full-time pr profession. It's not, it's not for dabblers. Yeah, for sure. Are there any, um, are there any uh, cook cooking trends or cookbooks or even cooking gadgets that have come across your path recently that you're excited about? Um, you know, I, uh, well, there's so many gadgets, not necessarily any of them new. I mean, Lordy, you were the queen of, uh, IP, the instant pot. <laughs> I did take to it. You are the, you are the leader of an instant pot army. Yes. <laughs> um, and I love things like that. I think those, those things are really great. Oddly sous vide. I love an awful lot. Um, uh, but, but trend wise, Boy, so much going on in plant-based cooking that is interesting and fascinating. I have a son who is now pretty much vegan. His girlfriend's been vegan for 10 years and they're young people. So she's been vegan since a young teenager. And I'm learning a lot from, from this generation of cooks that have really had to learn how to cook because it not it's just been recently that all these products have been available. So they have spent years kind of fine tuning their cooking skills with, with whatever was available that they were trying to work with to make the things that they love to eat. Um, and now it's much easier for them, but there's just so much interesting happening in that area. Do you feel like you're cooking more plant-based at home? Oh, sure. Sure. I think so. I, um, I'm, I grew up as a, my mother was a vegetarian, as, as I grew up, I married a real meat and potatoes 
guy raised by Nebraskans. Yep. And, um, and, but now, so for a while, it was kind of trying to please uh, the meat eaters. Now I feel very much more emboldened to like, you know, we don't need to eat, we don't need to eat meat every night or even most nights. And, um, and there's just so much out there that we really, you know, like and, and can substitute. And it's just not a problem. It's just so easy now. If you are um, someone who wants to eat more plants, like I have a friend who her doctor has said, hey, you should really consider eating more plants. She's got high cholesterol and she earnestly wants to do that. And she just really isn't great at knowing about where to start. She's not an intuitive cook. Is there resources or a book or something that you've come across that has inspired you? Well, I mean, you know, there are, I love trust for me i try to find trusted resources <laughs> because that's what we call them the trusted sources um because there's just so much less uh um failure with recipes and those things so like i just got a book um from america's test kitchen you know now they're getting into plant-based cooking and i think things like that are great i think um six seasons of vegetables with uh i mean actually <laughs> just just for uh, disclosure purposes, Martha Holmberg, who's a co-editor of that, is a, is one of my oldest, dearest friends. But that book won all the awards um, a few years ago, and 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 it's so good. It's so good. So six seasons is great. There's a million out there, yeah. right now that um, I and have. They're all book. getting a lot of attention. Yodam Adelengi, yeah. Oh my gosh, who was just in town. Um, He's, he's, I love his books and they're heavily, heavily uh, vegetable oriented. Yeah. I just did an interview with him and he was so charming. And one of the things that he talked about was how he, he was cooking during the pandemic for his, he's got small kids and just, you know, all of the bread puddings he was making with the vegetable scraps and cheese and egg custards and you know, the sourdough, like he was doing all the same type of things that we were all doing during the pandemic, which I thought was really interesting. And just, you know, using your freezer and your scraps and making things go further because you weren't always able to just pop into the store. Yeah, no, it's very true. I think we've all learned, doesn't the pandemic change so much for everybody, especially in the way that they cook? We've all learned how a lot, I think many people a lot more about cooking and a lot more about how to, how to um, cook out of your refrigerator. You don't have to look up a recipe and buy all, you know, buy only the ingredients for that thing. Just look what you have and use what you have. And it's so much more economical and, you know, people save so much money. I didn't, I just felt like I saved so much money during the pandemic. You did. I did too. And now I'm feeling like I'm not saving so much money because I'm back out shopping and buying stuff and eating out and drinking out. out. It's a lot. lot Did you, after the pandemic, open your closet and just think what is happening in there and (laughs) and how can I be wearing any of these clothes? (laughs) I just thought that this morning, I thought, you know, next free day I have, I'm going to just take everything I own, throw it onto the floor of my bedroom and just pick like the 10 things I actually wear and and, and send the rest out of here. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm like getting to where I'm thinking I need a uniform, you know, like Ina Garten always has the white shirt 
Giada has the t-shirt that has the three-quarter sleeves and the low-cut booby oh, shirt. Oh, and the low-cut, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what could be my like signature thing that I could just have at the ready so I wouldn't have to be going through this, staring at my closet every other day going, what is today? It's true. Come on. You're a brand, you're a brand champion, Stephanie. I, I, I know I need to that. find something. I need to find some local look. maker that will, maybe it's Laura Lavac or someone that will make me some, something that'll be in my silhouette and I can just yeah. buy 10 of them. Or just something even in the same color, like, you know, royal blue or something. Yes. I think it's orange. <laughs> I love the color orange. It always makes me feel so cheerful. Orange or that like sun gold yellow. Oh yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I think those are, those are, it's nice to just have a go-to thing, whether it's a color or an yes. outfit or whatever. Have you so, had any yeah. good um, dining experiences in the Twin Cities? Like where are you eating out now that you're back out and about? Oh, back out and about. Okay. Um, I've got to, I've got to think of them. Well, we went to Awami, which, you know, yes, fascinating, totally different experience, totally different set of flavors than you would expect. Um, I think very edgy to be honest. I mean, even though it seems very new, even though it's clearly based on very old, you know, traditions and flavors. Um, but also have been to, uh, places like Mr. Paul's supper club, which is, you know, fun and lively. Um, if you want a good time and some, you know, just sit sit around and drink, Yep, (laughs) that's a very buzzy place. Um, let's see. I know I've been to places, but you, you know, you're stumping me. Um, uh, all of the, you know, the places I love, like I love Rosalia. I don't know if you, you go there for pizza, but I love that place, which is um, um, Daniel Del Prado's yep. uh, pizza place. It's not brand new, um, but the, the I haven't been to Creekside yet, which it's was, fun. <laughs> is if it you fun? want a big giant slab of prime rib, uh, which yeah. my husband always does, it's great. Twice baked potato and a prime rib. It's good. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think that, uh, places like that, Kalita, uh, I feel like I'm only, I'm not really, uh, been hired by Daniel Del Prado, but <laughs> he is a good restaurateur and, you know, I'll, I yeah. would highly recommend if you haven't gone to Kaluna yet. Um, no, I haven't gone to Kaluna. I just passed it. It's kind of right by Kalita, isn't it? In that yep. same yep. area. Um, yeah, no, I haven't, but I do love Animed and, and um, I love Lat 14. Definitely have been there. High High is another favorite of yeah. mine. These aren't brand new places, but um, but they are. Uh, they're very. They're very good. Oda Lenghi went to High High and visited with Christina. She was pretty touched, I think. Oh wow! Oh, that's great, boy. When people like that come to town, those icons. And they find themselves in your kitchen. Um, that is always an amazing thing. That was a very fun part about uh, being the um, CEO of the International Association of Culinary Professionals. It put me in uh, spots where I had these meals with these iconic chefs. And one that always pops to mind um, is a night, a very late night I spent with Jacques Pepin. Isn't and- he fantastic? He's the best. And I have, I, because of the IACP thing, I've worked with him on things for, for years, but, um, you know, just kind of trying to set up events, very cursory kind of experiences with him. 
But then this meal was so unbelievable because when you go out with a chef like that anywhere, the restaurant, and it was, we showed up very late to a place. And um, the chef was like walking out the door as we were coming in and then he stopped full stop and <laughs> came back in. And we were there, I think until two in the morning. And he was telling stories about, he told this great, the great iconic story about how the Julia Child uh, SNL skit came about because yep. he was involved in the inspiration for that. They were on the Today Show or the Tomorrow Show. I don't know if anybody remembers that with Tom Snyder. Nope. And they were just about to go on set and she, or just about to go on air and she cut her finger really badly. And he tried to convince her to step back because, you know, she had to wrap it up in a band. <laughs> and then, um, and she wouldn't. And so she's trying to cut this chicken with a big bandaid on her finger and Tom Snyder couldn't stop talking about it. And Dan Aykroyd saw it and that's how the SNL. So those moments, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. That's a long story. That's it has nothing funny. to do with uh, cooking, but it is fun. And going out with those iconic chefs and being in those restaurants, that means everything to those chefs. Yeah. They, you know, they'll do anything for you. They, they want, they're so, you know, just thrilled that you're there. The, his Jacques Pepin's memoir, it's called The Apprentice, My Life in yes. the Kitchen is one of the best food memoirs I've read. So good. His his story, you know, coming out of World War II yeah. and as a child um, and being sent out into the countryside and then yep. working for, you know, the president of France and then coming here for and working at Howard and Howard Johnson's yep. of all things. Yeah, uh, his, a, his path is amazing. I think so, too. Well, Meredith, it's been great to catch up. Thanks for just dipping in with me today and giving <laughs> me a little fun me. time with you. I hope that we get an opportunity to run into each other again. We have to go for coffee or lunch. We've been talking about yes. it. So let's let's okay. find some plant-based lunch we'll, spot. We'll work it out. Okay. All right. To it. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Meredith. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.